This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 15th of December. And for anyone who has a loved person who lives overseas, which I think is most of us, uh, we're all kind of wondering when we can open up the borders again. And yesterday, Norman, we heard that New Zealand is okay with having a travel bubble relationship with Australia, but there's still some other hurdles that they want to jump through first. What's the delay and why aren't we seeing travel bubbles opening up with more countries? Well, we could. I mean, interestingly, China could be one of the countries that we do. Singapore, we're down at very low levels. Taiwan, not South Korea anymore. Uh, Once upon a time, you might have thought South Korea. So there are a few places in the world, the Pacific Islands, who are desperately in need of our tourism dollars. So there are a few places which have uh, either no virus or very, very small amounts of virus circulating. I don't know what New Zealand is waiting for. I mean, we've got virtually no disease spreading in the community, no infection spreading in the community. We've got hotel quarantine, yes, but they've got hotel quarantine too. Maybe they just want to see us being tested again for a little while just to see how we we're going in case we're lax about hotel quarantine. That might be what's going on there with New Zealand. But we could open up right now at an incredibly low risk. The problem is, is that it's a bit like sex. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Next to potty talk, this is my favorite. No, so, so really what we're talking about here is it's the old story about sexually transmissible diseases. When you have sex with somebody, you're actually having sex with everybody else they've had, they've had sex with. And if they've got a virus or they've got something else, you can contract that. That's the problem here with travel bubbles is that when you get into bed, to use a sexual analogy, with uh, a country, you're getting into bed with all the countries they've got a relationship with um, in terms of their travel bubbles or how they do it. So New Zealand is, is pretty safe. They're as strict as we are in terms of who's coming in and going into hotel quarantine, and therefore you can be pretty sure that their border is not, uh, is not loose and therefore at risk. Singapore is another issue, and the Pacific Islands are. If they are not careful about their borders or somebody's not transit, you've got to be careful if somebody's not just transiting through Singapore and Singapore becomes a way station for people trying to get into Australia via the back door. <laughs> and that requires um, just, you've got a filthy mind, Tegan, just keep <laughs> it to yourself. I had stopped that analogy a while ago and you're, you're just keeping on going. You planted the seed in my head. Anyway, that's the, uh, you know, that's the risk. You'd have to be sure that their border controls, because essentially it's only as safe as their borders. And if their borders are open, effectively you're opening the borders to Australia via whatever country we have the bubble with. So it's pretty safe with New Zealand, pretty safe with the Pacific Islands. There's probably quite a lot of negotiation before you do it with Singapore. I would have thought it was very safe with Taiwan, very unsafe with almost anywhere else in the world. So something that everyone's eyes are on at the moment is, of course, vaccines. And we're getting a lot of questions about vaccines. And one of them is about mRNA vaccines, which we know work by basically introducing a little bit of genetic material into the cell, tell the cell to make the spike protein of the virus so that then it can mount an immune response against it. But because these vaccines involve genetic material, and we know that cancer also involves genetics of a cell changing, the question is, could these types of vaccines, these mRNA vaccines, cause cancer? So this, you know, superficially, it sounds like a question, well, that sounds like a mad question. It's not a mad question at all. 
because you are giving, for the first time probably, a vaccine which actually changes the genetic information in the cell. Therefore, you think, well, cancer is a genetic disease, which it is, or a disease of genes, and therefore could it actually affect that? And the answer is no, it won't cause cancer. And you can say that you know, pretty confidently for a couple of reasons. And the simplest reason is that all these vaccines are doing is imitating what the coronavirus does to our cells. So viruses do not multiply by themselves. If you leave the virus on a table, they don't multiply. If you put bacteria on a surface um, and you walk away, there could be millions more bacteria an hour later than there were when, when they first landed because they have the ability to multiply and replicate by themselves. So in order for the virus to replicate, it's got to get inside our bodies, through our nose and our respiratory tract, inside the cells or initially of our respiratory tract, and they give the message to the cells, stop whatever else you're doing, you're going to reproduce me in my entirety. So the COVID-19 virus in its entirety. And that's what the virus does. It turns over our cells to producing just more viruses. Now, there are some cancer-causing viruses, human papillomavirus, hepatitis B virus, which can cause cancer or be associated with cancer, liver cancer, mouth cancer, um, and cervical cancer. However, the coronaviruses, that family of viruses, the common cold viruses, are not cancer-causing viruses. They're viruses that cause the common cold. And therefore, by imitating what the coronavirus does, and it's not even imitating what the, I'm talking about the vaccine now, it's not even what the whole vaccine, what the whole virus does, it's just manipulating to produce a tiny part of that virus. So this is not interfering with any fundamental machinery in the cell that might produce a cancer-causing situation. It's simply replicating what coronaviruses do to the cells in our body, and they don't cause cancer. People who've had lots of episodes of the cold are not more likely to get cancer than anybody else unless they happen to be smokers and it's the smoking causing, causing it. So that's a, a huge reassurance that this is not fundamentally altering the genetic structure. It's also not fundamentally altering the genes on our chromosomes. It's simply sending a message into the cell. So you've got your nucleus, which is the, where the genetic machinery of the cell is. And all they're doing is reading off the, uh, the messages inside the cell and sending it into the soup, what's called the cytoplasm of the cell, for the protein of the spike to be produced. It's not fundamentally altering our chromosomes. I know a lot about this stuff, and I wouldn't have the slightest hesitation of having an mRNA vaccine because it's just not going to cause cancer. And we've got a question from Alistair about how social distancing has suppressed many viruses, especially the flu this year. But Alistair's son, who's in kindy, has had his 10th cold since May. And uh, so many COVID tests and isolation and not much to show for it. Is Alistair and his family doing something wrong? No. The answer is that once your kid's in kindy or daycare, they're getting the infections from other kids and you get this circulation in a population of children. And it's just very hard to sterilise the environment that a, children, that a child is in, very hard to socially isolate. So the, so the flu circulation in the adult population has gone right down and been extremely low because of social distancing. But it's really almost impossible to do that with children. And you've simply got viruses circulating in populations of kids that are mingling together 
not socially distancing and spreading it via droplets and aerosols and everything else. Yeah, five-year-olds do not know how to social distance, no matter how many times you ask them to. No, and one of the, that's exactly right. And one of the great things about the COVID, there haven't been many great things about COVID-19, is that this does not seem to happen with COVID-19 and young kids, although it does happen with other coronaviruses. So it's not a, the kids don't seem to transmit it, at young kids at the same rate as older kids. So that's been a blessing. Whereas influenza does pass quite viciously between kids uh, under five. And one of the first things you do if you've got an influenza pandemic is you shut down um, kindies and schools because that's an environment where kids are going to spread it and it's very, very hard to control. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. If you want to ask a question or make a comment, please go to abc.net.au slash coronacast. Click on Ask a Question and mention Coronacast on the way through and we'll pick it up. We'll see you tomorrow. See you then. 